0: Modern Fairies and Loathly Ladies, podcast series one. Episode five, Loathly Ladies. Hello, this
1: is Fay Heald.
0: And this is Caroline Larrington.
1: In the first episode in this series, we introduced our project, Modern Fairies and Loathly Ladies. In this project, we research traditional tales about fairies in the British Isles and then investigate how some contemporary musicians, writers and artists remediate or are inspired by those tales to make new works of art that speak to our modern lives. In this fifth, and for this series, the final podcast, we're going to talk about loathly Ladies. In the earliest forms of this story, the loathly Lady represents the idea of sovereignty or the right to rule a kingdom. When you first meet her in the forest, she's ugly and difficult. But if you grasp your opportunity and embrace her warmly, she'll transform in your arms and become beautiful. So too, winning a kingdom is hard and dangerous. But once you have it, royal rule is splendid. This story type was adapted in the medieval period and in later ballads to explore the difference between the outside and the inside and also, importantly, the tale became part of a cultural discussion about women and agency. Chaucer's Wife of Bath is one of the most famous retellers of this tale but there are other versions with slightly different inflections. In the ballad and folk tale, we find the story of the woman who has been transformed by her stepmother into a monstrous being. The hero must summon up the courage to kiss her, often three times, in order to disenchant her, often
0: winning other treasures in the process. But let's start by talking about The Wife of Bath's Tale, because that's a particularly interesting one. In this story, unlike most of the other versions of the tale, the man who has to go on a quest to find out what it is that women want is a rapist. And the Queen and the other ladies of the court have decided to rehabilitate him instead of having him executed for his crime. And so he's sent off into the forest to try to find out what it is that women want. And this means, of course, he has to talk to them and have a discussion with them, has to treat them like other human beings in order to get some idea. But all the women he meets tell him different things, that what women really want is love or its clothes or its treasure or its beauty. And in the end, he's in desperation to try and decide which one is the right answer. And he's on his way back to court, weighing his options, when he meets a foul hag sitting in the forest. And in fact, there have been fairies dancing nearby which should alert him to the idea that this is no ordinary woman. And the foul hag says that she can tell him what it is that women want, but she wants a reward for it. And he's so delighted, he takes her back to the court and she tells him that what women want is sovereignty. They want their own way. They want to be treated just as men are treated, as people with their own agency and their own power. And when this answer is given, the ladies of the court and the queen all assent to it. But then it turns out what the cost is, is that the knight must marry the foul hag. So the marriage takes place and she eats quite a lot during the course of dinner, which is a bit embarrassing. And when they're in bed together that night, the lady rather gently teases the knight about the fact he doesn't seem to be very keen on having sex with her. And he says, well, it's not too surprising because you are foul and ugly and old and low-born as well. And she gives him a little lecture on not judging by appearances, but then says, look, here's the deal. You can either have me beautiful and faithless or ugly and faithful. And the knight, I sometimes think rather by accident, says, well, my lady and my love and wife so dear, you choose. And she says, then I choose to be both beautiful and faithful. Here's some of that story in the original
2: Middle English.
0: Here's Brian McMahon reading for us.
2: Wife of Bath's Tale. Here is the knight making his choice and the lady's response. Cheese now, quod she, one of these is twa." To hand me foul and old till that I day, And be to yo a true humble weef, And never yo displease in all me leaf, Or else ye will hand me young and fair, And take your adventure of the repair That shall be to your house by cause of me, Or in some other place may well be. Now cheese yourselven whither that ye o like it. This knight aviseth him, and sore sicketh. But at last he said in this manner, My lady, and my love, and wife so dear, I put me in your wise governance. Cheeseth yourself, which may be most pleasant, And most honour to you and me also. I do no force the wheather of the two, For as you liketh, it sufficeth me. Then have I get of your mastery." quod she, sin I may cheese and govern them as me least. Yes, certes, wife, quod he, I hold it best. Kiss me, quod she, we be no longer wroth, for by my truth I will be to you both, that is to say in ye, both fair and good.
0: In some of the other versions of the story that we find here in The Wife of Bath's Tale, the choice isn't a moral choice between being beautiful and faithless or ugly and faithful, but it's a more straightforward one in some ways of being fair by night and foul by day, or foul by night and fair by day.
1: So that's more of a public-private issue, isn't it? How, How the man is going to be judged in public. Does he want... Everybody to know that he is married to an amazingly beautiful woman or does he want to have an amazingly beautiful woman
0: by his side at night time and with everyone feeling sorry for him during the day because his wife is such an ugly hag.
1: Yes, but even in those choices, in those decisions that the the gentleman has to make, he still passes the choice back on to the woman, doesn't he? That's the key motif in this, that, that he's given a really difficult decision to make and a decision that whichever he came out with would be a judge on his character. And rather than make that decision, he would prefer to hand it to the woman to, to make her own choice on her life and how she might be presented.
0: Yeah, so he's learnt the practical lesson. He's learnt the theory and he gave the right answer to the court, but now he's got to put it into practice, which is actually saying... To his wife, you're an independent woman with agency. You have a soul as well as anybody else. You decide. It's up to you. And that, of course, is what unleashes the, the happy ending there. The cynic in me is uh,
1: perhaps wondering if it was just too hard a decision for him to make and that he probably spent quite a lot of time trying to work out which one he would prefer before Mm, passing it on. Going (laughs) hmm
0: and scratching his chin and then he eventually gives up. Well, I think the wife of Bath's Tale, ex-rapist, is probably the one who's really stumped. But in some of the other stories, it's Sir Gawain, who is the most courteous and chivalrous of knights. And I think he very quickly says, well, dear lady, you can decide. And that's exactly what we would expect for him. There is, of course, a bit of an assumption here
1: that the ideal is to be a lithe 18-year-old prim and beautiful lady to lie down next to the bed. And uh, it's mildly offensive that the, this, the the slightly older lady is viewed here as, uh, as something so repugnant and repulsive. There, there must be an inner beauty in there somewhere.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that Chaucer's version actually plays down the hideousness of the lady and she's just old and wrinkled and, and not very attractive. Whereas in some of the other stories, she's actually got tusks like a hog and horrible bristly hair and really does look monstrous and at the wedding feast she eats down so much food that the husband is thinking oh my god could I be next in a sense Um, but I think it's right that there is a kind of extraordinary wish fulfillment in these stories that yes of course what everybody wants is an 18 year old but maybe also what everybody wants to be is that 18 year old as well Mm, it brings into question what is monstrous what is monster yeah, and what is, where is the true beauty? Is it in the blonde hair and the blue eyes and the lithe figure, or is it the beauty of the wisdom of the older woman that shines through and teaches the knight how he should be thinking about women? Well, in some of the stories of the loathly lady, the woman has got that way because she has crossed her wicked stepmother and she's the one who transforms her. And this is a motif in some of the ballads as well. It is,
1: and instead of being transformed into a, an older lady, in this case they tend to be a little bit more extreme and either some loathly dragon or a, a beast, a, a real beast of some kind, which terrifies people and is, is, becomes a legend in the locality that people have to
0: overcome their fear of the beast in order to gain some reward and it's not any old person who can do that is it it's in in one folk tale it's the brother who comes back overseas and rescues his sister and he knows it's his sister so he he plucks up the courage to kiss three times this hideous fire breathing dragon and she knows he's trying to help so of course she doesn't attack him in any way but more often it's the lover isn't it who's got to have that courage
1: yes and there's a question there of what what is the kiss or what is the lover trying to get there's often some kind of uh, physical or skill-based or, or valour reward offered for kissing. Um, so in the story of Kempoin, for example, she'll give a ring which will protect in any battle or there'll be a sword which will slay any enemy. And so there is a question there as to can he see through the the ugliness to the beauty of the soul within and is he just wanting like in the more modern stories, to kiss his frog and turn into a princess? Um, or is he just
0: after the the booty and the, the bounty rather than the booty? Well, there's a kind of interesting incentive there, isn't it? The first kiss is scary, but he gets a reward for it, and that kind of encourages him to go on and get the, the sword and the ring and the belt finally. And then she she disenchants. And now we're going to hear you singing it, Faye. We well, will. This is the
1: song of Ken <laughs>
3: Her mother died when she was young Which gave her cause to grieve and mourn Her father married the very worst woman That ever lived in Christendom She served her stepmother night and day in everything that she could do till once When in a fit of rage She threw her over a crag of the sea Saying My you thy young Isabel And all my sorrows lie with thee Till Kempo wind shall come to the crag And break this spell with kisses three Her breath grew strong Three times round the tree And all the people far and near Thought that a savage beast was she And how she cried for when That he might come near to her hand Word has gone to Campbell That such a beast was in his land So he has built a bonnie Set it sailing on the sea But before he reached a mile from the land The beast has set the red flag free. And he's aimed an arrow at her head Swore if she'd not quit the land With that same shaft he would shoot her dead Oh, I'll not rise out of my den Though it is not for fear of thee till Kempo win The king's own son shall come to the crag and kiss with me Her breath was strong and her hair was long Twisted three times round the tree and away she swam Again she came singing come to the crag and kiss with me Now I have a royal sword she said That I found in the salt, salt sea And while your body it is on Drawn Charlie, your blood never be But if you'll touch me, tail or fin I swear this all your death shall be He leaned him over Eastmore Crag And about the tree she came with a swing He stepped in and the royal son he has brought with him Her breath was too long and her hair was long I Twisted twice about the tree and away she swam and Again she came singing, come to the crag and kiss with me Oh, I have a royal belt, she said That I found in the Salt, salt sea, and while your body it is on, drawn shall your blood never be. But if you'll touch me, tail or fin, I swear your death this well shall be. He leaned him over a small crag, and about the tree she came with a swing. He stepped in, gave her a kiss, and the Twisted once about the tree and away she swam. Again she came singing, home to the praga, kiss with me.
0: So that was part of Ken Poe which that she was singing there, Faye. And we do get quite a vivid description in that ballad of how transformed Isabel is by her wicked stepmother. We do, and the it paints a very vivid picture in my head of this ugly
1: scaly beast tied to a tree with gnarly hair, um, and very strong breath is the language there, which I I'm I'm seeing rather than halitosis as a, a kind of fire-breathing dragony mm. worm.
0: And she's twisted with her hair, isn't she, around the tree, and there's a kind of gradual unravelling there. In this story, at least, Isabel doesn't hurt anybody, even though she does look repulsive.
1: I think that's key to lots of these stories, that they are they're, they're capable of of huge destruction. These animals and beasts are, uh, are powerful creatures, really powerful, but they don't seem to inflict hurt or damage. It's very much a surface treatment. Um, they're evil beasts. They look like evil beasts, but they behave in the same way that their souls were before the transformation. Uh, in some cases, they do some damage, but that tends to be after A knight has failed to kiss them and and they've been rejected then they might retaliate.
0: Yes and there is one medieval story called Ipamene's daughter which is the tale of the daughter of the king of Crete who's been transformed into a dragon and she lives in a cave waiting for the man who's brave enough to come along and kiss her but the ground in front of the cave is littered by the bones of the many knights who've come to try this adventure and just taken one look at her and thought, oh, oh, no, I just can't do that. And then she lashes out and kills them. And that, of course, discourages even further the ones who approach the cave as these bones mount up. But in the version that we have in the Tales of Sir John Mandeville that was uh, written down in the middle of the 14th century, there is a young man who gets so close, so close, and he's seen her in her beautiful form, and he knows he just has to go and, and kiss the dragon. And he fails miserably and she just lashes out and kills him. And she's still there to this day waiting for the right man to come. So if you are the right man (laughs) (laughs) and you happen to be in Crete, well, cheap flights this time of year. Another ballad with a similar theme to this is the Ballad of King Henry. Here's Brian McMahon reading for us.
2: King Henry. Let never a man a wooing wend that lacks these virtues three, a ruth of gold, an open heart, a cup of charity. For it happened to King Henry, as a hunting he did ride, ta'en his hawk, his good greyhound running loud down by his side. He's chased the roe deer him before, he's chased the buck all down to his den, and the fattest deer in all the flock, young King Henry he has slain. King Henry, he ate of the venison, the dogs ate of the blood. They lay down, they fell asleep, asleep as they were dead. It fell about the midnight hour, the hour when all men lay asleep. Such chill winds blew around the house, the very trees did weep. Great shaking shook the house about, shaking split the door. The foulest woman that e'er there was came a-stamping on the floor. Her head hit the roof of the hunting lodge, her waist you could hardly span. If a fouler woman lived, she was not known to God or man. O oh, meet, meet ye king, and be meat, give thou to me. What meets there i the house, lady, that you're not welcome to? So she has ta'en his good brown steed, and oh, but oh, his heart was sore, she's ate it up both skin and bone, left nothing but hide and hair. Oh, more meat ye king and be, more meat give thou to me, what meat's there to the house lady that you're not welcome to? So she has ta'en his gay goshawk, and oh, but oh, his heart was sore. She's ate it up all skin and bone, left nothing but feathers bare. Oh, more meat ye king and be, more meat give thou me. What meats there i the house-lady that you're not welcome to? So she has ta'en his good greyhound, and oh, but oh, his heart was sore. She's ate it up both skin and bone, left nothing but hide and hair. O drink, drink, ye king, and be, drink, give thou to me. What drinks there in the house, lady, that you're not welcome to? So he's sewn up his horse's hide, and wine, and good wine he has put in. She drank it up, she drank it down, there was no drop left in. A bed, a bed, ye king, and be, a bed for you and me. I do vow, and I do swear, to-night to lie down with thee. Oh, take your boots off, O King Henry, and let all your clothes fall, for you and I will in one bed lie, and I'll lie next to the wall. Oh, God forbid, says King Henry, that ever the like betide, that ever a fiend that comes from hell should stretch down by my side. The night was gone, the day was come, the sun shone through the hall. The fairest woman that e'er there was lay twixt him and the wall. Oh, what is this? cries young King Henry. How long will this last with me? And there up spoke the fair young lady, Even till the day you dead be, for I've met many's the gentleman who gave to me all my fill. Ne'er met I such a gentleman who gave to me all my will.
0: So that is a truly horrifying figure that King Henry has to deal with. She's obviously female, he recognises her as that, but she forces him to kill all of his most precious animals, all the signifiers of his royal status, the, the horse and the hounds and the goshawks, And she just crunches them all, all, them all up. She devours them. Mm, and then she devours him
1: as well and they they share this bed and he has to give himself over to her as well and be under her power there
0: yeah i think we can assume that it's not just a question of cuddling up in bed together but there must be some kind of sexual activity to kind of finalize the transformation
1: and it doesn't seem like a positive choice either. Like you say, he he has to hand over his levels of status in the animals. He wasn't choosing to um, bestow a fabulous meal on this lady he met in the woods. He was under some pressure, under her power to, to deliver. So it's a, an, an unusual uh, gender role reversal going mm. on here, I feel.
0: Yeah, but and it's the same question of, I think that we saw back in The Wife of Bath's Tale, where the rapist discovers what it's like to be constrained to have sex with someone he doesn't want to have sex with. Of course, it's slightly different from men. It's much easier for them to refuse. But the idea that they're terrified into having to have unwelcome sexual contact with a woman does kind of um, explain why Chaucer decided to make his hero a rapist and does throw those questions of power dynamics into very close relief.
1: That's it, isn't it? It's very much about the power and the, the visual, because of course, in this case, again, the woman becomes a beautiful woman and they stay together and they're very happy forever and ever. Um, so he does get his reward for treating her like a human in some ways. So we might not all suck on the blood of a goshawk, yeah. but he, he does feed her and he does lie with her. He doesn't treat her like an animal.
0: And, and he does give her some of his choicest wine because he allows her to fill up his horse's hide which must be enormous, with wine, and she drinks that. And you can see how he can, must be absolutely terrified to see just the scale of the appetites that this woman's got. If she could eat like that and she can drink like that, what is sex going to be like with her? <laughs> Will he be left in the morning, actually? Yes. So that seems to be a common
1: theme running through all these stories, is the seeing through what's in front of you to understand what their needs are and what you can do to satisfy their needs and the, the power balance, how... how in their control you are or how much you can control their future fate that they're asking something from you in order for them to return to some kind of state they would like to be but you have to get over your what's facing you and the fears that are facing you in order to be able to treat them with respect
0: you've got to be able to look beyond the surface the the surface of the the strong breath dragon or the the woman with the tusks and the bristly hair or this creature who can eat your horse and your hound and your goshawks. And trust that there's a real human being, a real feeling human woman who is capable of of love and affection if you can only reach through to her. Mm,
1: So almost a question of not showing monstrous behaviour towards a monster.
0: Yeah, but kindness and, and treating it as you would treat any other person, any other male person, I suspect very often, is what always rewards the hero because he gets the beautiful woman and I guess she gets him and so she has got somebody who is worth having whether it's the king who turns out to be unfrightened and generous or the Kemp who's brave enough to see through her hideous monstrosity and to give her the kisses or the knight who figures out he just needs to hand over autonomy to his wife.
1: These tales teach us about possibilities of change and transformation, of looking beyond the surface to see the hidden beauty beneath. They also warn that women must be granted the same kind of autonomy that men enjoy without question, that they can be as moral and loving as any hero. These women start off as excluded and made hateful by the society that excludes and ignores them, but if trusted and nurtured, they can develop their full potential.
0: We hope you've enjoyed these podcasts about fairies and loathly ladies. A second series about the Modern Fairies project will follow in late 2019 and that will feature the responses of our project artists to the fairy stories and themes that we've discussed in this series. Look out for that. Follow us on
1: Twitter at modern_fairies. fairies. Find the page on Facebook or take a look at our website at modernfairies.co.uk.
0: If you happen to be able to come to the Sage at Gateshead, there'll be a residency with open rehearsals and actual performances of the artist's new work and that's on April the 26th, 27th and 28th, 2019. Goodbye,
3: goodbye All oh, my own mm